I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, August 21st, 2021, and this is episode 134 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is kind of a cheat because it's the same as last week's best thing. But Requiem of Silence is finally out in the world. It was released on Tuesday. You can hold it in your hot little hands. It is the longest of the Earth Singer Chronicles. It is the last book of the Earth Singer Chronicles. And I finally have a finished fantasy series that can be binged at will. So, end of an era. It was a good release week. I had um, an event with K.R. Snow Rivera, the fantasy author, who was amazing. And I just love talking to her. She's always so thoughtful. She has wonderful questions. She has a really great, great conversation. If you haven't read her books, um, then definitely rectify that situation. She has, she has a trilogy that starts with The Tiger's Daughter, and then there's The Phoenix Empress and The Warrior Moon. Um, they are set in an Asian-inspired fantasy world. Um, and they're just like beautifully written and quite delightful. So definitely check those out. I also recorded a video interview and I will let you guys know when it's out with, uh, Bobby Dumas, who is a romance novel advocate and reviewer. And, um, I did other things too. I, I went and signed the books at Charm City Books, which is a Baltimore bookstore where I was doing the pre-order signings. If you wanted to order signed books. There was like a snafu with with the um, shipping, so they didn't go out as quickly as I would have liked. So I apologize to all of you who uh, pre-ordered signed books. They have gone out as of Friday, and you should be getting them very, very soon if you're listening to this in real time. There is some sad news to report uh, amidst all of the wonderfulness of Ursula Chronicles. There will not be an audiobook of Requiem of Silence, at least at this time. So Macmillan Audio has the rights to the audiobooks. They produced the first three, the first three novels. And unfortunately, the sales were not good enough for them to produce the fourth novel as an audiobook. So I asked my agent if it was possible to get my rights back and do it myself. And she's asking, but she already told me that it's probably a big fat no, were <laughs> her words. They almost never revert the rights in these situations. They did say that if sales pick up, they would continue to monitor and potentially produce the audiobook at a later date. Um, but if they did it now, they would lose money on it. So that uh, was the ups and downs of publishing. I When I first did the deal with uh, Macmillan, to republish uh, the series. My biggest fear was that they would not come out with all the books. It was one of the um, horror stories that I'd heard of from other authors, that if your sales for a series are low, then your series might not get published, like all of it. And I know a lot of readers, me included, like I like to wait for a completed series so that I can binge it. I don't like to read books that are connected like a year or more apart because I just don't remember them. But the other thing to remember is that if people don't buy books when they come out, then the other books may not ever come out. And I'm very fortunate that all four novels uh, have been published. But for those of you who prefer to listen to audiobooks, that is not the case. So fingers crossed that um, something will change and they will in the future do the audiobook. Um, I don't have a lot of hope for me being able to get the rights back and um, produce it myself, although I would perfectly, I mean, I would be totally willing to do that, risking losing money in the short term, knowing like long term, I think it will all balance out. But, um, you know, publishing is a business and they are looking at the bottom line. 
And unfortunately, the bottom line was not in in favor of an audiobook for Requiem. There was a comment on uh, one of the YouTube videos about, um, you know, this podcast being a venting podcast. And it's not venting. I hope that I don't come across as venting, and I'm sorry if I do. My goal really is to give you, like, the real deal as much as I'm able to, which includes the ups and downs and includes um, disappointments as well as the successes. Because especially with social media, I feel like, you know, you're only seeing this curated version of people's lives, which is all the happy, wonderful things. And there's just documented evidence about how harmful that can be. You know, people's lives contain multitudes. And while I'm not one of those people who's going to tell you all of my troubles on social media and vent about every bad thing that's happening and every negative feeling that I have. I do think that it's important, especially for people who are looking at becoming an author, looking at publishing, to know what they're in store for, like what are the possibilities that can happen, to know both the wonderful things that can happen and the not so wonderful things that can happen. So that's really my only goal. I'm not trying to get on here and vent and have therapy or anything. I'm working through my thoughts about things a lot of times and also sharing my experiences, which is the entire purpose of the podcast. So if that's not something that uh, you're interested in, you're probably not even listening right now. Um, but yeah, I, I am really disappointed. I was very, very upset when I first learned of it. And I, the other thing was that they didn't tell me. Like, I... um. I was doing that video interview and, and Bobby Dumas was the one who asked, oh, I was looking for the audiobook. Uh, I can't find it. And this was like four days before the book was coming out. It was like Friday, I think we did this. And I realized that I hadn't heard from Allison, who is my voiceover artist. And usually I hear from her about pronunciations for the book because one of the things I was really clear about, like I want to give you the correct pronunciations. And so she'd always emailed me and I would record um, an audio file of the pronunciations. And part of me in the back of my mind, I had been like, oh, well, it's book four. So most of the characters have been introduced before. There's very few new ones. Maybe she didn't have any questions about it. And then I went back to the 90 million other things that I was doing. But when I was asked the question about the audiobook, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. My gut was like, they're not making it. Because as we had talked about a few weeks ago, my royalty reports, I knew that, you know, each book in the series had fewer sales than the one before. You know, and so I thought that this was a possibility once I sat down to think about it. And that's what I, that, that was the case. So yeah, it would have been nice to have been given a heads up, uh, but that's just another publishing thing. You're not always going to be in great communication with all of the various factors and people involved and companies involved in your work coming out in the world. So yeah, that's just, um, I was yeah, really, really upset for a couple of days and it's not something that I can control, you know, um, I will do my best to do whatever I can do to, to make it happen if, if I can buy the rights back. But um, if I can't, then, you know, I try to follow my father's advice and not worry about what I can't control. But also, it's painful. I'm the one who's getting the questions. Several people have asked me about the audiobook so far. And um, even though it's not my decision and I have no control of it, it it's my work. And I'm the front face of my own books, of course. So... I'm going to have to answer the questions and I'm a little bit numb right now about it uh, because I was very, very upset. And I'm sorry to everyone who loves the audiobooks and just prefers audiobooks. You know, this is a long book. A lot of times, like I've gotten more into fiction audiobooks lately. And if I'd done the whole series, then I would expect to continue and want to be able to. Um, and I, I am really disappointed that 
at this point in time, you know, the readers and listeners are not going to be able to do that. So writing update. I'm working on The Monsters We Defy, which is my fantasy heist novel, and I'm in revisions. So things are going really well with the revision. I have been using the program Plotter to organize the revision. So once I had my outline written and a little little or big paragraph for each scene, I highlighted the new things for the scene. So I kind of did a summary of the scene and including how it will be. So um, the changes basically are what I'm, I'm highlighting. And then I used Plotter so that I can be able to filter for the different plot lines, the subplots and themes, which that program is really good for. So if you're not familiar, it's Plotter, P-L-O-T-T-R. I have talked about it before. It is still in active development, which can be frustrating because there are still bugs with it. Uh, but for the most part, it's done everything that I needed that I needed it to, to do. <laughs> and so what I did was you can create a timeline and use, you know, have like cards for each scene. And then you can have um, attributes to them. So you can add the characters, the locations, and even custom attributes. So I added plot lines and I color coded them so that I can um, just lay out really clearly what characters are in which scene, what locations they take place in. So I could filter, okay, what are all the scenes that Zelda is in? And um, that's actually been helpful. Then I can filter it by the plot line. So look, look at the timeline and then just say, okay, I only want to see the love story subplot. So what scenes promote the love story arc? And then I can do that thing where I can see whether, whether it's balanced or not. So if it's top heavy, if it's bottom heavy, I know that I need to either add a scene or add something in an existing scene that pushes that subplot or that theme forward. And that's exactly what I did. And it was really useful for that. So that was some admin stuff. But aside from that, I was actually digging in, going through every scene, looking at, um, so the first thing I'll do is I look at the outline and I'll see literally, what did I highlight? What is the new stuff that has to be added into the scene or changed in the scene? And then do my sprinting and get it done. And uh, so the first, I've gotten through the first 10 scenes so far in the past um, week. Yeah, it's just been this week. And so 10 scenes are done. More work has to be done at the end than the beginning. So I'm trying to front load as much as possible. Um, the beginning needed some tweaks and, you know, a few things added in, but there are brand new scenes and big changes that are going to be happening at the end of the book. So just trying to, you know, build up that momentum, build up my speed. I did this morning work on the schedule. So I printed out a calendar of August and September of 2021. And then on each of the days, so for the, the past week, I put in the scenes I actually did each day because I'm keeping a record of it. I'm keeping a spreadsheet on Google Google Sheets um, so that I know my pace. I know how many words I'm revising each day um, in and out times just for tracking purposes. And then based on that, I looked through the outline um, to see, okay, how about how much work is each scene? Can I do one scene that day, two or more? And so I plotted it out and I had a target end date that I realized I'm actually going to need a little bit more time because of two different trips that I'm taking over the next month. One is a writing retreat trip. So hopefully I will get even more writing done than I planned, but I didn't, I tried not to over plan, like even on the writing retreat, it's like, okay, these are, there's a big chunk of work that has to be done. I'm only planning, um, 
eight, eight scenes to a day for four days. And that's about the pace I've been doing so far, but these are actually the scenes that require more work. Because at first I was like, well, maybe I can finish the whole thing on the writing retreat. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't sound realistic. <laughs> Even though, you know, all of us there are going to be writers. I think we're all on deadline, but I don't want to have my uh, eyes be bigger than my reach. <laughs> so I tried to be really realistic then taking into account another trip I'm having where the three days, I'm like, I probably will not be able to write those three days. Although two other days, I, I'm going to plan to have time to write while I'm away. Anyway, schedule looks good to me. Let's see if I can keep it. It's always the question. And I did have a, a secret hope to have like a speed beta reader, like read the whole thing in like a week and give me some feedback. I don't know if that's if that was ever a realistic thing to uh, expect, but I'm not going to worry about that right now. Uh, I'll see how the next couple of weeks go and then reevaluate. Also, I'm involved in a Kickstarter for a science fiction anthology called Three Time Travelers Walk Into dot dot dot. And the basic premise is all of the writers are going to write a short story where three time travelers have an adventure. Um, so we have 26 days to go as I record this. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes. There are authors like Jonathan Mayberry, Gail Martin, Keith R.A. DeCandido, and, uh, Michael Ventrella, who's the one who invited me. Um, so yeah, there are a bunch of authors and there's going to be more. So these are like the original, the, um, yeah, the original authors. And I think as they, if they meet the goal, they'll add some more authors and people will have a chance to submit to it. Uh, in the Kickstarter, there are different rewards. One of them is the opportunity to have uh, a character named after you or to for you to name a character. So basically, if you pledge that amount, I will name a character, whatever name you choose. <laughs> so the three time travelers that I am going to write a story about are the Queen of Sheba, Tatuba from the Salem Witch Trials, and Zora Neale Hurston. There are people who come from different time periods, and they're all going to meet and have an adventure that is as yet unspecified because I have not thought about exactly what I'm going to do for the story yet. I have little tiny inklings, but not a plot yet. And so, yes, I will put the link in the show notes, three, tri three time travelers walk into, and it's on Kickstarter if you would like to support it. There's also an article that I'm going to link to from the New York Times about that play. So I think it was either last week or the week before I was talking about Gossip Girl, the new the new season new version. And my brother was in an episode where he was in a play by Jeremy O'Harris, who was the playwright I could not remember. And um, it's a play where something about Titus Andronicus and read the article. I, I still have not grasped exactly what's happening. All I knew was that my brother was covered in blood and naked on stage and it sounded very artsy. So it was just a clip in Gossip Girl and now they've commissioned this play. Uh, and I don't think he's... Jeremy O'Harris has finished writing it, um, but maybe my brother would get a chance to be in it since he's like premiered the role on Gossip Girl. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah, just another like interesting, weird thing. It's kind of meta and kind of interesting. And if this play becomes a reality and by chance Paul ends up having a role, would I be able to actually watch it? I mean, I'd have to because I go see, I've gone to see every like live play he's ever been in, but, um, I think I have. I don't think I've missed anything. Yeah. So part of me is like, yes, I would love for this play to be a reality. And part of me is like, 
Um, speaking of stages, I got to see Cedar Kinney live. It was my first live show since pandemic. It was at um, an outdoor venue in Maryland here, Mary Rather Post Pavilion. And I went with my friend Katie. Um, Katie's actually the person who introduced me to the band Cedar Kinney. It's my favorite band back in the day. Like, I guess we were in college or maybe right after college, sometime in the late 90s. And I went to visit her and she had all of these like records. Were they 45s? They might have been full length records. And um, I was just hanging out at her apartment. I started playing the records and she had Dig Me Out and The Hot Rock, which are still my favorite Cedar Kinney albums because they're the first ones I heard. So yeah, it was great to go see a live show. We were outside, but we were still masked. And there was a, a good amount of space. Like I think a lot of people either didn't show up. We were in the, so at this place, there are like built-in seats and then there's like a grassy area. So I always get the built-in seats because I don't like sitting on the grass. But a lot of people were down front and like the right in front of the stage area standing up. And normally that's like the best way to see a show, but I'm still not comfortable like being shoulder to shoulder with that many people. So we sat in the stands. It was a very like middle-aged crowd because it was Wilco. It was headlining, which I didn't realize. And honestly, we did not stay to see Wilco. I was like, I've I've seen who I came to see when Slater Katie went off stage. And Katie was like, oh yeah, I've seen Wilco a bunch of times. Um, I'm fine to go. Like, you know, she wanted to go home, tuck her daughter into bed. I just wanted to sleep. So <laughs> we are not the same uh, concert goers we were 20 years ago. That's for sure. I was very grateful that, to be able to sit down, even though I would have liked to stand up and dance. But yeah, that was fun. And I have some more questions for the QA segment. As a reminder, if you have a question for me that you would like me to answer on the podcast, just write podcast at lpenelope.com with your question. So shout out to Maxine for these new questions. Um, what is a genre that you've avoided in the past? And is that still the case? Um, I don't know that I've avoided genres. I, you know, I love fantasy. I love paranormal romance. I did contribute a short horror story to this anthology. And it's one of the, the free short stories that you get when you sign up for my newsletter at lpenelope.com slash newsletter. It comes like three weeks in, in the autoresponder. And it's not scary horror because I don't like scary horror. It's just a monster story. So I, maybe, maybe horror is a genre that I probably would avoid because I'm not, I don't read horror. I'm not interested in it. Uh, thrillers. I don't read a lot of thrillers. I've read a couple and I know more and more even romance authors are writing thrillers like Nalini Singh and Alyssa Cole, uh, Colleen Hoover. So I don't know that I would avoid it. It's just something I'm not familiar with. The things that I haven't written, uh, mystery, like a straight up mystery. I did dabble in mystery with the, the first novella, uh, Breath of Dust and Dawn. And that was really the first mystery short, short story novella. Yeah. <laughs> that was really the first, um, mystery story I've written. So I don't know that I, um, it's not like I'm not going to write this. It's just I haven't because I'm not as familiar with it. And I might in the future. And second question, where do you stand on the Android versus Apple battle lines? I am 100% a Mac like, and Apple phone. So my husband has always had Android phones, and I have never been able to use them. I have a minor in computer science. I'm a web developer. I can program in a couple of like basic level languages. I'm not going to say that I'm like this amazing programmer because I'm not, even though I love it. I can't use an Android phone for the life of me. Like his phone will make noises and beep and alarm and I can't even turn it on. I can't even like figure out how you do anything to just swipe away. 
Androids are a mystery to me. I watch him going up and sideways and deep into these levels of menus, and it's crazy. I never want to use an Android. And even though I don't love all the things that the iPhone does, like taking away the headphone jack, like you get used to these things, I don't ever see myself using an Android because I just can't wrap my mind around it. Like, it is so confusing. And everyone is different, and then they all have these different things, and life is short. I'm going to use an iPhone. And that's it for me for this week. Goals for the coming week. I want to get to chapter 17 of Monsters We Defy in revision. So let's hope that happens. I would love to get through 20, but I did not put that as my goal. That's my stretch goal. So I've got my realistic goal and the stretch goal. But um, yeah, some of those chapters need a lot more work than the ones I have been doing. So, And I'm at AwesomeCon tomorrow which will be too late for those of you listening to this, but it's my first live in-person conference since pandemic. So we'll see how that goes. I'm kind of excited about it, but AwesomeCon is a lot of people. I know it's not going to be as many as as it was the last time I went. Um, so yeah, should be interesting. And then I have the writing retreat. So yes, lots of writing, lots of retreating. I'm I'm excited about it. And I will talk to you next week when I'm back. For episode show notes and to sign up for the fitness newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would really appreciate a rating and review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.